And I'm grateful for the shares that you guys continue to do. And please continue to send me emails. It's so exciting to see people email me with uh, stories about their journey. And I usually ask for permission. And if you grant it, then I get to go ahead and, and uh, process the your story or retell your story. Maybe sometimes it's, tell, it's told a little bit in different ways, but it's still your story. I want to make sure that I keep you safe. Let me let me know if that is supportive to your journey, and you can email me at t a l a i b r a eight 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 at gmail dot com with any even suggested topics. I'm okay with that. Go ahead and send them to me. I must have recorded this already like five times. I restarted this, so hopefully this is the, this is it. <laughs> this is it, and it's not because I haven't prepared. It's because. Well, yes, I haven't prepared, but it, that's not why. Hear me out. I, I just don't know how to approach it because I'm not a complainer, but I like to think about things in different ways, you know? Uh, sometimes I, I, I hear things and I'm, I feel like I'm responsible when I do hear them and I want to let them out. Well, let me give you a little background on this issue and so this way I can take you where I want, where I want you to go. <laughs> okay. I consider anxiety disorders and depressive disorders as the outpatient equivalent to the common cold for mental health. I mean, I'm not dealing most I'm not dealing with a lot of schizophrenia or heavy-duty psychotic symptoms here because usually they are getting a higher level of care either in a, a facility or even at home and that, you know, sometimes talk therapy is not beneficial. So it makes sense that at this time in my life, I am an outpatient therapist having been experienced in those other psychotic areas. <laughs> and it's good to take a break. I, I like it. I like every milestone so far in my life and every change and I embrace the change. So, but I'm finding out as an outpatient therapist that a lot of the times we uh, consider first our primary source for treatment of anxiety and depression is through medication. And and you've got, I'm sure you've heard me talk about this before in another episode of my ranting of some kind, that mental health is not the idea that you are helpless or hopeless to your symptoms. On the contrary, if you are prescribed medication, it is almost always recommended that you get to go to therapy. There is a struggle that I find often when working with patients that come in for anxiety disorders. More anxiety than depression because anxious disorders are highly intense in their symptoms and you experience the heart palpitations, the sweating, the feeling like you're going to die, you're going to faint, um, like the world is over. It's, 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 
it really has gone that far within our brain. But make no mistake, although it is medically treated, right? We give medicine for it. It is a mental health issue. And the source of this really is pain. Most of the time is within our way of thinking. And today I had somebody tell me, well, Tala, I, I just don't believe what you're saying. You, you believe that people can treat their own anxiety. And I said, yes, of course they can. They could treat their own anxiety. Why not? They created it. There's the only ones that can treat it. So he was not really hip to that. He did not like it. And he's one of my good friends. So we always have these deep conversations, but he had a point. I mean, he says, you know, medically speaking, we give medication. He says, well, the chemistry is, is really, is, is the, he's explaining to me the chemical jargon. And I'm like, I, I get what you're saying, but my friend being of the, of a medical background does have this evidence-based idea. And he equates, uh, anxiety as if you're treating diabetes. You don't tell the patient that they need to they need to cure their diabetes and I beg to differ <laughs> not about the diabetes part but it is not like diabetes he, he I mean it is not at all we have a brain structure yes it is the organ called the brain but the organ itself has another it's a form of intelligence that that as far as we know no other body functioning or organ has that it, it doesn't have this consciousness that we have. And so we cannot treat it like every other organ. And to say that uh, medically, we're just going to chemically treat it, is, it doesn't make sense. Because if you just hear a person talk about their anxiety and uh, about their symptoms that they have, it would just be loud and clear that the thoughts themselves are to be of concern. There would be no chemistry if the thoughts were not produced. When I have positive thoughts, I have good feeling hormones being produced. When I have negative thoughts, I have negative feeling hormones produced. And in no way is that unintentional. It is my body's doing it intentionally. So I don't want to relieve myself from the responsibility of my own thinking. I don't want to relieve any patient from that. I want to make sure that every patient gets to understand that they have the ability to relieve whatever it is that they started in there, whatever they experience in there. And most of the time, believe it or not, people are going to argue with me. Patients are going to argue with me. Tala, no. What do you mean it's not real? And I tell them, no, it's real to you. Me and you sitting here, you could be experiencing anxiety, heart palpitations, like a tiger is coming at you, but I don't, I don't see it. So who's it real to? And it is, they admit that it's real to them. So it's so real to them that they start adjusting the world outside of them to fit their comfort zone, right? To fit their need to control situations in order for them or avoid situations in order for them to cope, both of which are not helpful. So sometimes I'll tell, let's say I'm anxious and I usually like people to go with me everywhere I go. I will make my daughter or my son go with me or I'll make my husband have to go with me. I won't even go to the store by myself or do anything by myself because I like people to be with me all the time. It is not a real thing, but it is a, an experienced fear within the person that has that anxiety. Again, my dilemma is do I help the person believe that their anxiety is real 
or do I let him in on the fact that they're the ones and are the only ones that are experiencing this actual fear? Nobody else is, just them. What do I do as a therapist? And that's a tough one. And I'm pretty bold. So I, I love this, that somebody told me that anxiety is a liar. And, and I love that. I love that. I heard somebody else say, I don't, I think it was a clinician a long while back. And they said that anxiety is a liar. And in fact, it is, it's a, it's a delusion. It is something that I play in my head. It is not real, but I have not processed it or confronted it, that it has taken over my brain. It has taken over my senses and I've now avoided it so long that it now is bigger in my brain than it was before. And that's really the, the idea of trauma. It gets bigger and bigger the more we avoid it and the more we don't process it. So things that are not traumatic and that could be everyday life activities, like for example, going to the store could turn into, I need five people to go with me. I'm only going to time it. We can go only in there for 20 minutes, but then I'll panic. I'll, I'll have a nervous breakdown before I walk out. And it's just, it's, and I make everybody just go with me and like have to carry me out. And it's, it's, it becomes traumatizing, especially for the person and the people around them. It's, it's tricky to tell a person who has anxiety that they have created this reality and no matter what I do with them, I cannot do anything without their permission. They will not be able to change this unless they decide one day to say, it's not real and I'm going to prove it to my brain that it is not real, that the, these thoughts are not real. There's no tiger coming at me. I'm sitting at home. Why, why the heck am I not leaving my house? There's, it's not real. I asked my mom, she's Middle Eastern and, you know, she grew up um, overseas. She still has the accent and everything. It's very cute. I think it, I do a good mom accent or well, my mom's accent. And I would probably do an imitation or an impression here for everyone, except I, I just really can't. <laughs> I, I really like my mom and she has a great sense of humor. I think if I did it, she would love it. She would really love it. And she would agree with it. I, that's my mom. She would really agree with it. She's pretty funny. Anyways, I was having a conversation with my mom and I asked her, mom, do you know what anxiety is? And she says, no, she does. She did not. And I explained kind of the, do you, did you ever meet anybody growing up that did not? And she grew up in Jerusalem. I asked her if she ever met anybody that was, uh, that ever did not walk outside their house or felt like they had a heart attack, but it wasn't a heart attack, any difficulty breathing, anything like that. And she said, I don't recall <laughs> anybody around me that you'd like that, like where they don't go to the store and they need people to go with them or what have you. Like, that's not. And she said, and is it like a real thing? Like, is it, are they, are they responding to anything outside of them? Like, is somebody trying to harm them? Do they, have they suffered the, like, is it, are they suffering abuse or something for them to be that scared that their heart is beating fast and all that? And I said, no, I said that happens anywhere at a store or anything. And she said, there's like, there's no actual condition is what I think she meant is like nothing outside of them that would have induced that fear. It's completely internal. And I said, yep, it's internal. So it blew her mind. It, she, she, she was not aware of that 
that it does exist. So she never grew up around it. And I asked her, why do you think that is, that you've never seen one? And she says, maybe they're too worried about other things. Maybe she specifically said, this is her response, which I think was pretty interesting. She said, maybe it's really simple over there, much simpler than it is here. And I think, could that be the answer? Could it be that anxiety comes from complicating the shit out of our lives and we just didn't know it? And that my mom, who's an avid smoker with histories of stroke and heart attacks, could this woman, who I love dearly, be onto something, be onto the truth, a truth of some kind? I could see it. I could see we complicate the hell out of our lives. We have phones, we have, we have gadgets that are supposed to make our lives simpler, but they just keep distracting us and making us rush. Things that are supposed to be making our life convenient are causing more of an inconvenience by making us rush. Not just rushing, but we're not slowing down. It's it's go, 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 go. Everything from the moment we wake up until like we go to sleep. Everything is a go, 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 go. And um, we look up stuff whenever we want to know something and we have access to it and we have always a need to know. We uh, are a constantly on uh, social media as a way to communicate with one another and it is a go 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 and communicate with people like it's an instant thing it's we are so used to instant gratification so it gets complicated or we complicate stuff that are not complex maybe it could be from our need to know when we can't know something so we just need to make something certain or known and we'll drive ourselves nuts and possibly that is a good definition of anxiety anxiety is all about the what ifs all about the worst case scenario all about the future that you don't know anything about it's not based on actual rational thoughts they're irrational in nature it's exhausting i get it i get that it could be definitely true maybe it is simpler over there overseas where you go buy your food the same day you're going to eat it you know you go to the market you buy it come back you don't have the luxury of not going to the store or only parking at a certain place or only doing it on that if you have if you are the only provider for your family you're going to get in that car and you're going to drive if you're busy living in bombay in the tent outside on the streets because everything is overpopulated and insanely populated uh, maybe you're going to not care about anxiety there would be no place for anxiety you wouldn't be creating a worry that isn't there because real life is worrisome I'm, I need to eat <laughs> I'm not I mean which one takes precedence for me me feeling this whole world within that is creating chaos within me or am I going to really, I have challenges enough outside of me that I need the, the strength within me to deal with whatever it is I'm looking at. This is a harsh conversation to have because in no way am I insensitive to the reality that people who have anxiety experience it for real. They really do experience it. But I'm, I'm on the fence whether to tell them that anxiety is A fire that they started within, and they're the only ones that can extinguish it. It's it's tricky, and I say this with love, 
because I don't want to see an anxious person. But if I put this anxious person in the middle of Bombay, India, and told them, hey, you have no money, you need to figure out how to live, and you have to go find somebody that will give you money or whatever, I'm sure that anxiety, they'll work that out real quick. I promise you they will. How do I know that? Because we do. <laughs> we work out anxieties pretty quick under pressure. And when, when, when our life and our safety, food and shelter, need for food and shelter and safety takes precedence, I ain't worried about, I, I, I need people around me or fears that I've created within, such as, you know, people are judging me. That's why I'm not going to go to the store or any other fear, any other anxiety that you can think of, whether it's social or, uh, inner work anxiety, whatever, uh, any situation that, that may promote your anxiety, you, you will not have the time. Now, of course, the treatment is not to, um, push you in these situations, but, but to slowly get you to understand that you have created them and you're the only one that can give the command or the permission to undo it. Simple as that. And when I tell a person with anxiety that, that they just want to like, I think they want to throw something at me. <laughs> a lot of the times they tell me, no, I'm not capable. And they have imposed these rules on themselves, these limitations onto themselves. It is not real, but they really believe it. It is really believed. I mean, the brain will do some interesting things, I'm telling you, and... It is not surprising that anxiety is is really prevalent in the United States. Um, that's even according to the DSM. Our prevalence is higher here than anywhere in the world. And if you live in another country that maybe is a lot more simpler, I'm wondering if you guys experience anxiety the way we do here. Are these fears prominent? In your life or are there other things that take precedence that anxiety is not seen or recognized or treated are we so logical elsewhere all around the world that we can understand that we have everything that we need and as long as we have food shelter and safety and our health we're going to be okay and staying in that simple frame of mind will just keep us safe that childlike thinking will keep us not starting fires within that do not need to be started. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, but in no way am I saying that anxiety is not real to the person that's experiencing it. It's real. But I want to remind the person it's real to them. It is not reality within all of us. And some people will even argue, hey, what do you mean? Like bad things could happen to good people. I'm like, I'm not living my life based on that theory. I'm not doing that. It's That's just false, false, false. I'm not basing my everyday blessings that I get. Every day I live a great blessing. I'm not going to be sabotaging my own mood by thinking that, oh shit, I need to be expecting the worst. Let me expect the worst to prevent something that will never happen, may never happen, 
Let me go ahead and, and think about that. Let me go ahead and occupy my time with that all day long that I miss everything that's pretty important. I lose focus. I'm not able to concentrate on anything. I can't put effort into anything because I'm so self-involved within my own thoughts thinking they are real. And when I walk into a building, I think everybody's looking at me. Everybody's judging me. But in fact, it is not true. It is just my thinking process. Thinking that they are judging me when I'm in fact judging them. Judging me. You get what I'm saying? I hope I didn't lose you anywhere and I hope I did not offend anybody. But if I did, find out why. Look within. You're responsible for your offense. Not me. But I need you to think about it. Before you get offended or refuse this idea, what's the worst thing that could happen if you believed that it wasn't real? That anxiety was not real? What would be the worst thing that would happen? I don't know. But it can't be worse than believing that anxiety is real. I don't know. I hope you're with me on this. At least reflect. I know that you will. <sighs> I need to let it out. Thank you so much, you guys, for joining me tonight. I'm sending you love and light and a world full of blessings that you can see and be present for. This has been an episode of Drive Through.